Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Breaking Health Podcast, the real Breaking Health Podcast with our host, Steve Krupa. Hello, Steve Krupa. Hello, Tom. What else could there possibly be? Well, there's, I've had a few, you know, mediocre stand-ins like Andy Slavitt filled in last week. We had his talk from the DHIS. So, uh, you know, step down from Steve Krupa, but. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I'm sure you felt honored (laughs) to be slotted in there. He he was a little self-conscious about it. That's for sure. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Andy's a venture capitalist now. I don't know how. Yes, that's right. That's right. I go. From a venture capitalist to working hard, and he goes from working hard to being a venture capitalist. So, are, you say, are you saying venture capitalists don't work hard? Steve? Oh, I'm sure they'll tell you they do. <laughs> we are now getting the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Play this tape to your venture capitalist friends. But uh, let's talk uh, to, about this week's guest, uh, IntelliCare, David Coppins of IntelliCare, which uh, is, is carrying the, the highly sought-after descriptor, the Uber of. What is IntelliCare the Uber of? I, yeah, I mean, maybe they are the Uber of. Uh, uh, they they're definitely the Uber of nurse staffing for sure. And what's interesting is not oftentimes this happens, but you know, a lot of times you'll just be learning about a new idea, and you'll just sort of say, "Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. That's 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 very disruptive." And I think that when you listen to this 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 conversation, uh, you'll see that 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 really changing the way that nurses get staffed, the way they're able to capture additional uh, time and the, the ability to work uh, overtime and the, the efficiency of tying them together, sort of using Uber-like techniques to make all that happen makes total sense. Um, so if it works, I think he's got a great idea. It'll be interesting to see uh, whether people start copying the idea and what kind of competition comes into the market. But very- yep. Because it, it does seem to be a, a natural fit, and the nurses, of course, uh, work so many shifts, and they, and they can work at different hospitals that it would seem to be a, a natural application of, of this type of technology. Uh, I know you're, you're trying to get a little bit into the strategic future of the company later on, and uh, I don't know if uh, David you know, was, wasn't necessarily to, to share all the details on, on the podcast, but, but any sense from you, where, where does a company like this go? Does it become big enough to be just a standalone, or, or does it become part of... Uh, a provider system what, what do you think could ultimately happen you know i think if you if what they're doing is uh you know doing for nurse staffing what uber has done for let's say car services or you know cabs in some towns um uh you know they're they're going to be the new way it gets done i mean um even in a city like boston or i was just overseas in italy the way that you you know, get a cab or get a car service is completely different. You do it through a digital exchange or a two-sided market is the way we talked about it. Um, so this is certainly a two-sided market. You can you can visualize supply and demand. You can put two people together through information and data, and you can come to a market clearing price very beautifully uh, if it's all set up the right way. And, and it seems to me like this is the way it's going to go. Now, is it hard to copy the technology? I don't know. Um, people have copied Uber's technology. Um, 
Uber is a more of a consumer play, so they have uh, the advantage, first mover advantage in terms of branding and so forth. Whereas in a B two B play, you wouldn't see that. But I think as you listen to the interview, you'll say, okay, this is where nurse staffing is going. And the question is, you know, how does how does the industry get rolled up into this model? Does it get rolled up organically or inorganically? Some combination of of that. Um, probably, if I was a publicly traded nurse staffing company, I'd have to say to myself, I need to be doing this. Absolutely, excellent. Well, it's a great interview. It's great to have you back, and uh, let's get into this conversation with David Coppins of IntelliCare. <laughs> Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with uh, David Coppins from Telecare. Welcome to the uh, podcast, David. Thanks, Steve. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, two-sided markets and staffing models and the fact there's no technology in healthcare, as far as I can tell, among other things, uh, including what you, you, you're doing <laughs> to solve those problems. But give us a little bit of your personal background. I know you've been running some businesses. I know you're a software guy. But tell us how you sort of landed in, in, in telecare. So I helped drive in, uh, two, two particular companies in the Boston area. One being you promised was an early co was the co-founder of that company. And we drove that, uh, it was a two-sided marketplace to help families save for college and then drove also, um, Virgin Pulse. It's, uh, not a classic two-sided marketplace, but we're helping large employers, uh, with their employee wellness and, and engagement. And uh, and definitely had two sides of customers with that. And when I was presented with the idea from a friend of mine who had started IntelliCare as a home care business, he started to look at should we be providing the same technology more into you know workforce management or or you know healthcare temporary staffing. And when we started to investigate that, realized there's just really no technology in healthcare staffing. It was like one of those very few industries left in the in the world where technology just sort of skipped right over and that got that got us pretty excited about the potential here so uh, when uh, this friend of mine Ike Na who's our uh, technology guru came to me with the idea um, it uh, it just made a lot of sense so people are rubbing two sticks together and you're showing up with matches is that what's going on here it's largely that I, I will tell you they're keeping the fax machine industry in business <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, well, you think you can do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I think I understand intuitively what you mean when you say a two-sided marketplace. But can you describe it a little bit for me when you, when, what, the, what you mean by that term? Sure. It's a, it's a little bit like a Lyft or Uber where you've got drivers and riders. And, and, to, and to Lyft, um, it's, uh, it, they're both sets are very important customers. And, and to us, you know, we've got tens of thousands of nurses and CNAs working for us. And we also have hundreds and hundreds of facilities that desperately need their help. And in both sets are customers to our, to us. And we do the matching um, between them. You know, I, you and I both live in Massachusetts, right? They had uh nurse staffing uh, on the ballot uh, from a standpoint of patient to nurse staffing ratios and so forth. As I was trying to figure that thing out, I, I realized I don't really know that much about how, about how the nursing market works. So there's demand, obviously, from facilities. There are nurses in the marketplace. Are they not employed? How, how does it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so generally, uh, you know, each healthcare facility tries to employ fully staffed. I mean, their ideal scenario is to be fully staffed. Um, and... And that basically just doesn't happen because of the 
effectively a nursing shortage that is happening throughout the U.S. Uh, in fact, the nursing shortage is, is pretty severe and it's getting worse as nurses retire and baby boomers age, the demand increases. And, uh, you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics says that we're looking at a 1.2 million RN vacancies by 2022, which is pretty staggering. But so each facility hires all of their own nurses and nursing assistants and tries to fully staff, but they're generally short staffed. And then they try to, as they fill out their schedules, they fill it out with all their own staff. And then they have all these open shifts that need to be filled. And they will go to their own staff and ask them, will you take extra shifts? Um, and, and then uh, when they get as many of those filled as possible, they're typically presented with a large leftover amount of open shifts. And as a result of this nursing shortage and the fact that you know there's such a high demand, and they really have to fill the shifts. It's not like if one of my developers doesn't show up today, you know, the earth's not going to shake, you know, but if you don't have a nurse, you know, you really, you know, you, you've got a big problem and there are even already ratios and, and demands and laws associated with, you know, having so many on staff. So what's happened is there's a $17 billion temporary healthcare staffing uh, business out there, you know, industry out there already. Um, it's, it's a, it's a sizable industry that already exists. So, so what's happening? Are the nurses moonlighting? Are they working a full, full time and then also, uh, opening themselves up for overtime work in these, in these relationships as this work? Well, this is one of the advantages I think that, that we have in, there are these, uh, healthcare staffing agencies that, that are out there. That's that $17 billion industry. Uh, they, they really would prefer that these nurses work for the staffing agency full time, and then they just deploy them into different locations and at different times. <laughs> we, um, they, they need that because it's a highly laborious process to try to contact a nurse, ask them to take a particular shift or set of shifts, um, and then make sure that they you know, can get to that place and, and fill it properly. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty labor intensive to do that. The reason that we don't need our nurses to work for us full time, moonlighting is one of those, you know, opportunities is because we use the technology to do the matching. We don't require that our, our people uh, work for us full time. So we're, we're actually recruiting from a much larger universe, people that have regular jobs and only want to pick up a shift or two you know, every week. And that makes it much more attractive to the nurse. Um, and it helps to actually fill the void uh, that's out there. Okay. So if I'm, am, so are you, a, you're a staffing company or are you, are you providing technology to staffing companies or are you both? We're, we're a tech enabled services company. So we have deep software and technology ourselves, but uh, we use it to provide to augment the staff uh, for our clients. So, so just to be clear, so you're not employing or contracting with or serving as the broker for the nurses, or or are you? We are employing the nurses. Oh, yes. So you're a, you're a nurse staffing company with with enabling technology, I guess. It's straightforward, and and you're not going to license that technology to what would apparently be a competitor if if that if they if they were doing something similar, right? Correct. Yep, we're using the technology that we've developed to just drive drive the business and hopefully to change the industry. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean we're trying to disrupt the whole industry. And, and one of the biggest is changes here the, the, is the fact that we can fill 70, 80% 
of the shift requests that come our way, as opposed to the average in the staffing industry, which is about 20%. Excuse this break, folks. Tom here. I just want to let you know that we have a brand new podcast out there for you. Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders hosted by Keith Figlioli, a partner at LRV Health. Keith will be approaching this podcast gig a bit differently than Steve. He is going to be talking to the leaders, the providers and the payers who are pushing for innovation. So those ultimate final customers of the startups we like to talk to on the Breaking Health podcast. So it is a completely different but very, very important perspective. So I hope you will check it out. The name of the podcast, again, is Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders. You can find it on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. Please give it a listen and do subscribe. Now let's get back into this conversation. So you must have asked yourself the question when you when you started to do this, like, do I want to be um, a SaaS provider to staffing companies or do I want to keep the technology for myself and leverage the business a la like an Amazon. I get the question all the time. Yeah. Yes. And, and that is, that is, uh, and it's insightful, especially in this world where software seems to, to rule. Um, we, we looked at it, we looked at it this way. We felt like if we created the software uh, and provided it to say existing staffing companies, that not much would change. They would try to fit force fit around peg in a square hole and we, and we kind of looked at it like Uber created some pretty great software, um, you know, in the early days. They could have sold it to the taxi industry, but had they done so, nothing would have changed. Um, taxi industry would have tried to force fit it to kind of fit their model and to accommodate all of the, uh, the parties that are interested, in, you know, in that world. We want to just break free of all of that. In fact, we, we didn't even hire anybody from a healthcare staffing company when we started this company, started this company. No, you know, nobody comes from traditional healthcare staffing. We want to just look at it for a completely fresh set of eyes. And so we're here to kind of disrupt the industry to really make a, make it, you know, significantly different. We actually think what's interesting to us though, is that we're solving a short-term need um, for our, we're really focused in the post-acute care uh, world and we're, we're, we're solving a short-term need, but we want to help our clients actually solve a, solve the underlying need. The fact that they, it may, it's very difficult for them to recruit and retain the talent that they need and to be, and then to also deploy their resources to kind of manage their workforce, you know, even more efficiently uh, than, than others have in the past. So in our mind, where we're going with this is, yes, we started out as something that looks a lot like a staffing company, um, but uh, the technology and the data that we have now is extremely, you know, robust to the point where we want to help our our clients, our facilities eliminate any need for a staffing company by providing, you know, better workforce management solutions to them. Um, so the direction we're heading uh, is to be uh, really that software solution and technology solution. Meanwhile, we're a services provider to this post-acute world. Got it. So, so like Uber, the drivers don't work for uber right they're they're sort of independent contractors if you will or they are they're all 1099 yeah and is how does your business work well in in healthcare staffing um there is since you're dealing with people's lives there's a lot of regulation around this and Uh we felt like we didn't want to uh you know take any risks um with 
our clients and and their patients um, at all and said, you know, we want to make all of our nurses W-2 employees. So we've got their workers' comp and their professional liability insurance. And, you know, we we take care of our nurses um, and don't try to to simply just treat them as a 1099. They are absolutely, you know, top uh, a, a great importance to us. And, and do you, um, you know, I, I'm just some curiosity questions. So are, are they, are they attributable to a particular facility? Can they, can they go between competitor facilities? Do you sort of isolate the workforce or do you just play it completely wide open? How does that work? We, we, uh, we do play it completely wide open. There's a lot of power in having that two sided marketplace. And one of the things that, um, that our clients find is beneficial is, is that every time one of our nurses goes out to work, they're rated on a five-star rating. Um, and, and so if they rate them a one or two, uh, then that, uh, nurse never sees another shift from that facility again. If they're rated a four or five, it goes into their favorites list. So that, uh, nurse is the first one to see a shift that comes open available to them at that single facility. And, and so it kind of builds over, over time, a higher and higher quality group of people working for that particular facility better than any staffing company could do. Cool. So, I mean, that's really, that's, that, that's actually very interesting. When did you guys start? I'm just trying to, is, 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 have you been around for how many years now? Yeah. So it started as a home care company using Largely similar technology uh, in early 2015, mm-hmm. uh, and then it was late 2016 when we pivoted to uh, be primarily in this workforce uh, management, uh, healthcare staffing for post acute. And and how um, how do the nurses like it? Do they is this what they want? Is this the way they want to work? Yeah, they they love this. Like I said, we do have you know about a quarter of them are working for us basically full time, but three quarters are working for us in a in a, in a part-time way, basically taking an extra shift or two because they are, this is the only real way that they can pick up extra shifts without making us a big commitment to an agency where they have to work so many weekend days a month and, and how many you know days a week they can, they can work however, as much or as little as they'd like. It's completely up to them. Also, they don't have to wait for phone calls from uh, an agency asking them if they can take particular shifts. They can just go to the wrap, see hundreds of shifts, filter, you know, uh, by what's important to them. We have some excellent predictive analytics that actually goes in and, and can uh, determine ahead of time if a client is likely to kind of need particular staffing help at a particular time. And then that allows us to, uh, to make sure that their needs get filled and that our nurses get the best selection of, of shifts available to them. The other interesting thing that we do that's different is that um, while we charge our clients a flat hourly rate so that they've got, you know, good budgeting and, and planning uh, purposes, every shift is priced differently based upon our machine learning algorithms for our, uh, for our nurses. So they can go in and find, you know, shifts at a pretty wide variety of different, uh, different rates, different hourly rates for them. Uh, and and it's based on you know some dozens of different elements that go into play here, but ultimately it boils down to is this a hard shift to fill or is it any easy shift to fill? And so it's essentially surge pricing, but for the uh, but for the nurses. 
and and uh, we have a, we have nearly a million observations right now in our machine learning algorithm. So it's getting smarter and smarter to know how to price these shifts. All of it with the with the intention of trying to increase the percentage of shifts that we get filled. Um, that's that's one of the reasons why we can fill seventy to eighty percent of shifts, and nobody else can even come close to them. So are you in? You're, I'm assuming you're in Massachusetts since that's your home state. But where else are you working? So we're all over Mass and Pennsylvania and Rhode Island and in Ohio now. Um, and we're looking to expand into about another nine or 10 states next year. Wow. So what are the issues? Like if I were going to complain about this business from a, is there a, is there a pub, is there a public issue? Does, are, are you up to people where nurses might be working too much too little. What is there? Is there any questions around the, the uh, this model? Because I know people complain about Uber all the time for reasons I can't quite understand. Um, have you received? Yeah, can have you received any sort of like criticism? You know, you know, structurally, kind of from an industry standpoint, there's an interesting uh, argument against staffing companies generally, and that is that um, that as a facility, you're trying to hire you know, people to come in and work for you, but a staffing company is offering higher rates. So they're pulling people out of their facility to work at those higher rates and, and, and therefore kind of then, then put, then putting them back in at, you know, the agency rates. Um, And yet that's not, that's, that is a fair criticism of staffing generally, but it's because they're trying to get full-time people to work for them. We're, we're very different. We, we are trying to say, hey, you have your day job, keep your day job, um, but you can pick up a, a shift or two a week. And, and so we're actually expanding the capacity of, of nurses. We feel like we, you know, that there's less of a nurse shortage than it appears because it's just a, an inefficient allocation of resources. Uh, and, and, and we're, so we're, Allowing people or, or, you know, structurally not causing people to stay in, uh, you know, we're not trying to compete with our facilities for their full-time staff. Um, we are, we're basically allowing full-time workers uh, an opportunity to bring in some extra income if they want it uh, and yet uh, have a better allocation of these resources. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, it's a little bit somewhat similar to that emergence, those emergency room companies that, that uh, staff physicians, right? Physicians that want to want to work and work in different in different locations for you know and are you able to calculate? You know, it's interesting. Are you able to 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 understand demand patterns for nurses? So I don't know how how consistent is demand at a skilled nursing facility, for example. Uh, is it well understood? Is it one hundred percent resident like you know um, vacancy related or lack thereof? How, how do you, how do you determine that? Our predictive algorithms do try to determine ahead of time, and we're not all the way there. About seventy percent accurate, um, but we we can actually predict two weeks out uh, when our clients are going to need extra staffing, and it isn't related to their census. Their census doesn't change as much as it does in a hospital. A hospital fluctuates uh, quite a bit, um, but their census kind of remains fairly constant. It is more based upon you know how how are they able to retain their own staff, and then of course you know, just vacations, holidays, maternities, and that, that kind of thing. But we, we actually have gotten really good just from the pattern of, of uh, activity from our clients previously. Um, 
you know, just if we've had them for a few months, we can start to be able to predict pretty accurately what their needs are. Um, now, we started to feed that information back to them because we, we think that they could plan, perhaps, for having additional staff in these time slots when we know that they're going to need them and reduce their need uh, for, you know, external staffing like us. Um, and and it's, it's, worked, it's worked pretty well. But this is where, like I said, eventually we're trying to work towards becoming a part of the real solution for them as opposed to simply filling this short-term need, which is really what the whole healthcare staffing industry is doing, is just filling you know, their short-term need. Um, we, we think that, you know, with the data that we have accumulated, the, the predictability of, of uh, you know, behavior of, uh, of nurses and their likelihood or unlikelihood to actually, you know, work, um, and then the patterns of needs within our facilities, we can, we can be better at their workforce planning. And it's all at a hyper-local level. That's, uh, that's one of the, the, the big differences as well. So what are the challenges for you? Just, you know, maybe just a couple more questions in terms of growing the business is the hardest thing presenting the model to nurses or is the hardest thing presenting the model to the facilities where, and, 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 you know, if I'm missing something there, give me a sense of where the, where the work is in terms of getting the business to grow. So you do have to grow city by city because you have to have a, a critical mass of supply and demand uh, within the city to kind of make it work. <laughs> Um, I, I will say, though, that, you know, a lot of our clients in, in post-acute world, skilled nursing facilities specifically, aren't the most technologically advanced. So there are uh, some that uh, require a little more hand-holding uh, to get them familiar with how to use our platform. Uh, and, and some of them that are not willing to kind of give up uh, their the method of, say, calling an agency or emailing an agency or faxing an agency and asking them for some help and then trying to get feedback back and forth. Um, that, that, that as long as, you know, uh, we, can, we can work with uh, a, a group of facilities that are willing to kind of be a little bit open-minded about a new process, and we tried not to kind of break their workflow as much as possible. We tried to mimic, you know, the... Uh, the workflow if they were working with a, with an agency, how we could actually, you know, work with them. So sometimes that's a bit of a challenge, uh, but generally speaking, it's not that hard because these guys are typically unhappy with their current, you know, agency that we go in and say, you know, it's very easy. You're not making any commitments. Just give it a try, put a few shifts in the system and see what happens. And then every time, you know, they, they see that their shifts get filled quickly um, they come in and they're working and they're well prepared, and and to them it just looks like magic. Like, oh my gosh, let me put another one in. Let's see what happens. And it, and it starts to snowball from there. They start they reduce their dependency on five or six agencies basically to just us. Uh, and and we don't obligate them to do any of that. It's just it starts to snowball uh, from there. I know there was like a a time in in history where there were these roll ups of the staffing agencies. Has it, has it, and I don't really, haven't really kept up with it. Has the industry become sort of a, a bunch of large staffing companies or are there mom and pops? How does the market look? Yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Just in our corner of the world, the per diem shift by shift world, there are 2,200 healthcare staffing firms in the country. And it's because there's really no barriers to entry. So, um, 
Yep, there are, you know, and it kind of goes in waves. I think we're in one of those moments now where you've got some, um, you know, good size, either national or regional players that are looking to grow through acquisition. So there's always some regional private equity firm out breeding the bushes to try to, you know, bring together more of these guys. But, but it's a, um, it's mostly made up of, of, you know, regional, regional players. There are a few big ones. You know, there's AMN and cross country are the two uh, large uh, public companies. Um, But there's, and there's, but as soon as you kind of get down to the top 10, it drops pretty quickly in terms of volume. Yeah. Cause I was thinking, you know, wow, you could really take an existing staffing company and add a lot of value to that business yourself, right? You could either go in and the thought thought occurred to us that we would say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that may, maybe one of those uh, methods is, is simply, you know, applying the technology to an existing staffing firm and, and really taking it over. Yeah. Either through like a franchise model or an acquisition model, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I won't, I won't probe too deeply into that. That sounds like a, <laughs> like a strategic secret. Um, so yeah, we're down to the last question here. Um, just, uh, give the audience a sense. I, I see from your website, you're blogging, you're out in the marketplace. How, how can they find out more about you? Um, uh, how do they get in touch? Uh, are you sure. a Twitter yeah. guy? Are you on, on their, uh, on, you know, social media? How, how do they find out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, on Twitter, you know, in telecare, um, on our website, telecare.com, there's easy, uh, phone number or form to, you know, quick form to say, Hey, look, I'm interested. Tell me more. Uh, we, it, it, and for nurses, same thing, just come to our website and, and fill out, you know, uh, just a, a two lines or something that basically says, I'm raising my hand. I'm interested. Tell me more. And, and we'd be happy to get right back to you. Uh, we, we are anxiously engaged in moving across the country. You know, we believe the next year and a half will be in all the major Metro areas around the country. We're looking to do partnerships uh, with, uh, with companies that are in post-acute. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of interesting ways that we're expanding now. Awesome. Well, listen, David, love, uh, love talking to you. Really appreciate the time and best of luck to you. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, it's been great to talk with you as well. Thanks. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this Breaking Health podcast. Great to have Steve Krupa back in the big chair. Please, folks, don't forget we're uh, sending out a new podcast called Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders. We encourage you to find and subscribe to that podcast hosted by Keith Figlioli of LRV. It's a great compliment to the Breaking Health podcast. We're covering the entire startup ecosystem in digital health. So we'll have the startups and the ultimate customers all for your listening enjoyment. So don't forget to help out this podcast and our other podcasts too by subscribing, by giving us a ranking on whatever platform you're listening to. Let us know how we're doing. That actually does help people find the show. But of course, tell your friends and colleagues about these podcasts. I hope you're finding them helpful. If you are, you might want to share the wealth a little bit. Finally, please do reach out to me. I am Tom Salemi. I'm Director of Content here at Healthogy. Healthogy is the producer of the Breaking Health Podcast, the Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders show, and of course, DHIS, 
the best healthcare innovation summit there is. So that's a wrap. Tune in next time. We'll actually be having another Breaking Health podcast in two weeks. We're going to put these out every two weeks, and we'll have another Healthcare is Hard podcast coming out for you in December as well. So look out for those. I can't wait to share these great stories with you.